Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Sage Advice Podcast. I am your host, Sin Sage, and with me today, I have Tim Woodman. How are you, Tim? Doing fantastic. And yourself? Absolutely lovely. I'm curious how you would please introduce yourself to my listeners. Yeah, fair enough. I ended up by accident with a Twitter handle that has become more of my identity than even just my name. Uh, and it was by accident. It was all the way back in the chat room days of the early internet when I was establishing myself as the talent that I have become. I used to sign my posts, Tim Woodman, professional bad guy. Uh, and if people asked, I'd be like, I'm the guy that ties the damsel to the railroad tracks. And I went from there. And then when I started marketing, I was like, I need something that with a little more class than just bad guy. And a friend of mine from the real world suggested villain because it just has a, it has a more classical ring to it. I'm like, I like it. Professional villain. And I found pro villain both as a website and a Twitter handle. And that's been me ever since. Yes, that's, <laughs> I love that as a name and a Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs> It definitely reminds me of, you know, probably like the first 10-ish years or so of my career, I was doing a lot more um, bondage style, damsel in distress style things. And um, there'd be, you know, yeah, male villains who were the dastardly uh, mustache twirling, you know, <laughs> knocking me on the head. So I got knocked out and carrying my limp body around. And <laughs> so you were definitely one of those. You become quite... Um, proficient with a rubber bone and a plastic wrench and anything else you can bonk somebody on the head in in a video yeah back when yes, we could do that exactly. yeah back when you could still do that and sell it and monetize <laughs> it so yeah going down that path um you are uniquely suited to <laughs> have a discussion about that stuff with me because you know from what i can see so you 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 get hired as a um to play a professional villain but you also do you have your own website and you also produce content that is what would we call it i mean it's not not safe for work it's like not safe <laughs> for porn not safe um, for visa yeah not safe for visa mastercard that's for dang sure yeah so i i was wondering if you you know we could have a little conversation about how difficult that is and how you kind of still manage to get stuff sold so some of what i've seen that you make would be uh, we would call it consensual non-consent mm -hmm. and i'm gonna get right out in front of that and say that i am a fan of that so mm -hmm. You know, I, I understand like for some people it's, it can be triggering, can have like emotional uh, ties and, you know, do, do not move ahead if, if that is you and you don't like hearing about this, but, um, for a lot of us, and I do want to work a lot to like destigmatize and like take shame away from places mm -hmm. where it shouldn't be. And I think that the whole point of the term non-consent consensual non-consent so it means i am negotiating a play scenario with someone um that has that fantasy of me being overwhelmed by another person someone stronger than me you know overwhelming me and it's really hot i mean that will get me wet very mm. fast <laughs> but so i love you know and i've even made a lot of that content that like i haven't been able to sell because Obviously, as we know, like it's very strict on what you can show when it comes to fantasy. 
so yeah, what like how has that stuff impacted you? Like maybe where were you selling before that now you can't, or what does that look like? Well, I, I ended up there uh, in that niche kind of by accident, but also a little bit on purpose. This was not meant to be a full-time gig. It was not meant to be my primary job. And so I felt like if I'm going to work in this field, I may as well do stuff that I really think is fun, even if I'm not sure how I'm going to sell it. Because mm -hmm. it was never easy to sell. It's even more yeah. restricted now than it was. But uh, there was kind of a golden bubble moment when the internet was young and nobody knew how to enforce anything. And for a minute there, you could get away with anything because nobody knew who, who was responsible for stopping you. And yeah. then Visa MasterCard stepped in and created a stranglehold over all internet commerce and then yeah. simply decided what they felt was acceptable and what was profane and we all have to live with it. Yeah. Uh, but my goal was just to shoot stuff I like. And as you mentioned, I do get hired, although that's probably 5% of my career. The other 95% yeah. is self-hiring and, and finding ways to make money to do what I want to do. Or yeah. finding customers that are willing to finance it. Mm -hmm. uh, and my thought was not so much, how will I resell this, but I want to shoot it. Yeah. And if you're willing to not shoot for grand success, but more I've paid my bills at the end of the day success and fly under the radar, there are sneaky ways that you can get away with selling stuff. Uh, it's just yeah. a little underhanded is all. Yeah. And I'm nervous to like ask you about those ways because I don't want. Like, no, it's, it's want... totally okay. I like uh, we all complain about PayPal, but the truth is I use PayPal. I just don't tell them what it's for. And anytime a customer contacts me, it's one on one. There's no automated way to do it safely. But if they email yeah. me or Twitter me and say, I want this one, I'll be like, I can't sell that on Visa. But if you send me PayPal in this amount and yeah. just write your email address in the memo line and nothing else so paypal doesn't yeah. know what it's for we won't yeah. get in trouble and then i'll upload it yeah. through a file service like we transfer or whatever yeah so hopefully there's no like paypal executives listening or anything like that but <laughs> still not gonna catch me but it's definitely true i mean i i do the same thing just for all my custom videos um mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. that's the best way to receive payment it's the safest way and it it sucks that it's you know it's just all these payment platforms have been like, if you are doing a legal job, but it has anything to do with sexuality, we'll kick you off. <laughs> and each um, of those platforms grew to success on our backs. Like yeah. PayPal was only one in a stream. I've been there for all of them. I'm older than internet commerce and I saw each generation happen. And yeah. each generation courted the adult industry and said, we'll handle your money, We money's money. And as soon as yeah. they reached a certain threshold, in, inevitably and invariably, oh. Visa would buy them and then enforce the instructions that they felt were right. And then boom, we were cut off from a thing yeah. that we helped create. Yeah, it's, it's almost like what they were trying to do with OnlyFans for a second there. It's yeah, like, that's the minute. one time it didn't work. Yeah, you'd be literally nothing. You would not exist if it weren't for us. Mm -hmm. And now you're going to kick us off? Like, excuse me? By the same um, token, I don't have an OnlyFans. Why? Because sure, none sure. of my content will fit there. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, you know, but I, part of the other part of me like does want people to know where they can have access to this stuff. So mm -hmm. it's good to know that like, yeah, if you're interested in some of that type of content, it does exist out there. Oh, yeah. You can find it. You just have to go looking for it. So, you know, finding someone like Tim um, on his Twitter and just hitting him up for a custom video or probably content you've already produced and been, can I have just saying like, can I have some of it or can I see what you've got? And it just yeah. be like on a personal level, because it's like you said, there's no way to have like a form you fill out and it just all happens automatically. Like and you have in to have fairness, 
I don't think it's ethical to market my content mm -hmm. because even in porn platforms and even in adult platforms, you don't necessarily want to see content that rhymes with great. And if right. you don't want to see it, I'm not going to be the asshole that just shoved it in your face. But if you're looking yeah. for it, it's easy to find me. Yeah, that's a really good point. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I love this stuff and I know enough professors and researchers that all have shown all yeah. the research says that like force fantasy is the second most popular fantasy among all world citizens that have been polled yeah second only second only to group sex interesting yeah that's number one wow uh, i do but, love that but, too <laughs> male, male identified female identified non-bearer identified everybody that's their favorite thing or yeah. their second favorite thing, but we can't yeah. talk about it and it's hard to tell yeah. people it's okay. So I'm with you. Yeah. I'd like to normalize it and destigmatize it. Yeah, because I remember being younger and I'm, my sexual identity is developing and stuff. And I know what the fantasies that I'm having are. And I just remember for years, like really feeling this shame. Like I can't mm -hmm. tell other people about this. This is so, um, this is so negative and dark, you know, but it's really like, when we do talk about it, when we take the shame away, and I'll say that it was actually um, one of the one of the earlier scenes that I ever did. I, I it was with Nina Hartley, mm. and like I was mentioning it to her, and I was like, I, I felt like this is a safe space, <laughs> and I was like, this is really what I'm into, but I, I feel like I shouldn't talk about it or whatever. And she just told me this whole story, and she says she knows people who have had that fantasy. Mm -hmm. then had it happen to them in real life mm -hmm. and still had that fantasy afterwards. So I think it's just one of those things that like, it's so transgressive that mm -hmm. that's what makes it hot when it's a fantasy. But the other thing about it is just the concept that like, when it is a fantasy, you have control over it. The control is 100% in your hands. And so then, you know, you, you have the power and yep. also with that power, you get to then release it to the person with whom you've had the discussion about the fantasy and the playtime. So the analogy we like to give is the, the thrill and contained fear in a safe environment of a roller coaster. Totally great. Putting yourself and other people's lives in jeopardy on the freeway for kicks. Totally bad. I love that analogy. <laughs> right? Yeah. You can end, you can enjoy that. You can go upside down and scream your head off with your hands over your head yeah. on yeah. a roller coaster or mm -hmm. in a video game. But like right. Dan, Daniel Steele wouldn't have had a career writing the kind of, like Fabio, you'd never have heard of him if right. rape fantasy wasn't such a common element in that kind of fiction. And it doesn't have to be dark and brutal. Sometimes it's no. the pirate just grabbing her and ripping her bodice open. She's not yes. even necessarily saying no. He just didn't wait right. to find out. Exactly. That still counts and it's still super hot. Yeah. And that's what, like, that's why it's also sometimes called the ravishment fantasy. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Did a whole presentation on alternate words that don't rhyme with grape and like ravishment yeah. is the romance novel version. Yeah. We had a whole bunch ravishment. of, we had people were just shouting them out like, oh, surprise sex. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's good too. <laughs> snuggle struggle. That was a favorite. Oh, snuggle struggle. I love mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to write these down. Oh, man. <laughs> snuggle struggle um so yeah so but that's uh so wait, first of all i want to say another site 
and you do have to go about finding this, but you can use Google and stuff, I think is niche clips. Mm -hmm. And so, so one thing I love is that you approach this with just saying like, what do I want to make? And then you're like, I'll make it. And then you, you know, it's like the fact of it selling in this like crazy successful way or whatever, like that's not even the goal. It's just like the goal is like having fun making the stuff that you want to make. And so that's why like we've we've done that too. We've collaborated mm -hmm. with some people and we've made the stuff we want to make because we think it's sexy and exciting. And then I, I think uh, the other thing I've heard about niche clips specifically is like when you do open a store there, you might make a few sales, but it's really that letting that audience know that you make that kind of content and then they come to you for custom videos. And then what I would do if it was me is I would charge more for those custom videos because of the fact that I can't sell them anywhere else. Yeah, niche clips uh, is probably 10 to 20% of my net income in a given month. And they're particularly problematic right. because the way they've gotten around the restriction is at this time, they're only crypto. They don't accept mm. any kind of credit card payment. They used to take a check, like you could mail them a check and you yeah. basically buy credit and they would cash your check and you'd have that many dollars just like Bitcoin from before Bitcoin. They yeah. would just say, you now have credit, you can buy movies through us. And then they cut me a check based on how many clips were purchased that way per right. month. But that's and a lot a of lot hassle of and a lot of customers are not going to go to that hassle when they can just rip yeah. it off a tube site or whatever. On yeah. the other hand, my stuff's not on most tube sites because it can't be. Yeah. Same shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, niche clip, if you're willing to go through that hassle, you can find everything on niche clips. There are dozens of mom and pop shops of my size. Uh, and I think we do great work. And I've heard more than yeah. one person very uh, complimentary saying like they're his productions. It's, it's small, but the quality is as good as anything out there. And it's the content you want. And I'm hardly alone. Yeah. There's dozens of us in there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still working on it. I'm going to get a store up there one of these days, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pain, but it's it's ultimately to get one set up is a pain like everybody. And I agree. Yeah. It, was, it was a mess to try and get in there. But then yeah. it works really well. And like you said, it's not even necessarily the amount of money I make. The customers are there. And then yeah, they'll say, Ooh, exactly. I want this, but could you get that girl or put her in this outfit or whatever? And then Exactly. Goes? Yeah. And um, that's what we already do. So yeah. Good. So you mentioned briefly a, a workshop. Can you talk about mm -hmm. that a little bit? This was in the before times, <laughs> you know, pre-March 2020, uh, not to put too fine a point on it, but for right. years, I am, to my knowledge, the first person uh, that at least that I've ever heard of who was willing to do at like local BDSM and other lifestyle clubs a presentation on force fantasy and how to do it like a workshop style presentation. And yeah. we did it, me and my sweetie, we did that for years. Uh, and as things are settling down now, I'm starting to get people asking about, are you going to do this at some convention or something again? And I'd love to, uh, I know one or two other people now do it, although it's cute because the first one actually contacted me through Twitter and said, look, I don't want to step on your toes. I'm like, Hey, more the merrier. I don't own this, Aww. but it was really sweet. She actually was yeah. like, I don't, I saw yours and I loved it and I want to do it. I'm like, do it. That's great. <laughs> the more, the more out there then the more educated people get. So yeah, it's usually a two hour workshop and depending on where it is, we actually do like a couple of quick, like improv acting scenes. We'll tell the audience, Hey, you pick a scenario 
you pick an outfit or whatever within reason because we only have what yeah. we brought with us. And right. We show them how to do things as safely as possible, whether it's quick bondage tips or how to use toy knives and toy guns and mm. things that can pass for chloroform and yes. like acting tricks that you would learn in high school drama theater uh, and stuff. Absolutely. Uh, so they can have a fun and just it's very disarming because we're goofballs and we're up there and we giggle our way through the thing. And like over and over people at the end of it were like, I wasn't even sure I wanted to go this. I was so nervous. But by the end I was on the edge of my seat and you just made it so approachable. And oh, that's, I love that's that. great. It makes me really, really happy. Yes. Um, God, I'd love to go to one of those too. Cause that sounds <laughs> fantastic. I'll let you know the moment I'm doing one. Definitely. But you, you do lots of workshops, it sounds like, or you always have, or. Yeah, for years and years. I mean, again, it was kind of not in the last three years. Everything's weird now, but. Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> I used to for like probably seven or 10 years. I did a once a month rope class for beginners through experts. It was a serial class, but like anybody could could start but there'd be a theme every month and they were either standalone and series and it went from here this is what rope is and here's what ropes are made out of and here's how human bodies work from nothing all the way to full-on suspensions like i had one class i had five people that had never been suspended before wow suspended by five people that had never done that before all at the same time <laughs> wow. and nobody died it was amazing i was very yeah <laughs> i got an ulcer but <laughs> <laughs> But everyone was happy. <laughs> and I teach, you know, rips, whips and uh, floggers and various how-to hot wax, electric play, most of, most of the BDSM toolkit. I was very fortunate that when I started, the people I started under uh, both professionally and in the lifestyle, which was like six months before, I've been both kind of the whole time, I found good people. I found people who were yeah. showed me how to do it safely and how to understand it and how to like I'm very just lucky. I have a great skill set, but yeah. it's not. I can't claim it. It just was handed to me. Yeah, yeah. So is that basically that you were like? Have you always been a lifestylist? As far as we're talking BDSM, when we say that, um, I know an awful lot of people that were like five years old and tying up their Barbie dolls and watching Batman just for the bondage <laughs> scenes. I can't <laughs> claim that. I okay. I've always been a creative role player, fantasy kid into all the things. And as you look back, it's easy. As I look back, it's easy to say, boy, when the chick was tied to the thing and the barbarian was racing towards her, that was hot. And <laughs> I remember the first force scene I ever saw by accident in a rated R movie, not even a, not even a porn, just a rated R movie. The girl gets tied Wh to which the bed. Which one? Which one? Uh, cat people. Nastasha Kinski. Okay. Yeah, saw it by this was the eighties and people weren't monitoring. So yeah. I was a kid and I'm in the store and the guy's watching it uh, behind the oh. counter. He's just watching it while he's on work. And oh my I, god. I sat there like, oh my god. And I didn't have the context of the movie. I'm like, she's just standing here and letting him, but he strips her, ties her spread eagle to the bed and fucks her. And it's like she doesn't resist exactly, but he tied her down and did it and something clicked for sure. Yes. But uh, both the, the adult story. entertainment industry and the lifestyle I've been in since 1995, but stumbled upon. It wasn't okay. something I was seeking out. It's just, I found it and it fit like a glove and I'm like, this is home. Here I am. And I've never left since, but it wasn't a quest per se. So how did you stumble upon it? I was doing spotlights for the live, uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show in South <gasps> Pasadena. Big fans. I've been to the one in Pasadena when I was in high school, like a long, yeah. long time ago. Depending on the time, I might have been holding the spotlight that night. I think you and probably were. It's quite possible. And <laughs> at that time, 
the uh, the woman who played Magenta was Darla Crane, who is still a legend in porn. Yes, and at that time right. was a bondage only legend. And like, I didn't know any of that. I'm just like, wow, yeah. she's pretty, you know, look yeah. at the boobs on her. And uh-huh. <laughs> I introduced the cast to my new girlfriend at the time. And they were like, hey, could we put her in a bondage film? And we were like, I don't even, I don't know what that is. You're like, what does that mean? <laughs> right. But they had us over for dinner. They showed us like a very tame harmony concepts, topless harmony. only girls tied up and mumping around on the bed. Yes. And then they let me be there on set that first day, kind of as her safety person, because it was just her and Darla. Yeah. Uh, and the camera guy, who was also the rigger, showed me how to do some of the rigging. And we fucking bought 300 feet of rope at Home Depot on our way home ah! and had no idea what we were doing. But like the second shoot that my girlfriend was on, uh, she met someone who was a coordinator for the local BDSM club. And she was like, I got to go do this. I'm like, I will go with you. And yeah. we were both like, yep, this is it. And then we just never left. Oh my God. There's so much to love about that story. But <laughs> <laughs> the first thing that popped out to me was like, just remembering, cause you know, like some of the first shoots I ever did, uh, like getting into the business was definitely bondage stuff mm-hmm. was definitely harmony concept stuff where it's, yeah. It's very tame, but it's bondage and girls in bra and panties and, and mm-hmm. pantyhose and foot stuff. and At most topless, but like we always called yeah. it Barbie porn because your panties never came off. Yeah. So there was no genitals. Exactly. Yes. Like Barbie. Yes. <laughs> and just, just remembering like the different time, you know, like thinking about being invited over to dinner with the people who mm-hmm. wanted to hire you and they're going to like talk you through it and show you through it. It's just like, it's this memory of a time that, you know, it's the industry doesn't really exist like that anymore. You know, not saying that we don't have dinner with each other or whatever like we do, but it's just. It's it not this, the same. It's so big now. Yeah. It was wasn't... a small handful of us. And we used to refer each other work. Like I met oh, Stacey yeah. Burke and she was like, yeah. every time she worked with someone she liked, she had like a text list of people. And she's like, you should hit this person up. They'll love you. And we yeah. all did that for each other. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I remember, um, so I'm I'm still friends with this uh, candle candle box. I don't oh my know. god! So yeah, she does mainly like admin stuff for me now. Um, but back in the day, like with all this sort of fetish models and stuff, there w- she had this master list of like emails mm-hmm. and phone numbers of producers, and if someone would be like. You know, if I'm like, I'm just like looking for more work for this area that I'm going to be traveling to or like this day, Mm. someone be like, oh, don't you have candles list? (laughs) (laughs) And it was just this long list. And then I'd go through it and hit people up and I'd get all these like, you know, bounce back emails and like number no longer in service (laughs) because it was just around for that long. But for us, that was, uh, I, I adore Candle. She's got the best puns and dad jokes oh, in the industry. She's the pun master. But, uh, for me, that person was uh, Lorelai Smith of Bedroom Bondage. Yeah, Lorelai. She, uh, she's my big sister in porn, and I would not be the villain I am. She taught me my best lessons on rope and on stage behavior and on set behavior. Like, if I'm at all good at this and if i'm at all an okay reasonable person to be around that's 90 percent her doing yeah. uh but she also had like a master list of people that you should contact and people that you should maybe not contact yeah and like all the way up to they're good if you can take extreme bondage but maybe not mild bondage and this person's only mild. like she had everything i love that too yeah because i've got some lists like that now that i moved out here to the midwest and i've been hitting people mm-hmm. up and so they'll be like oh so this person does bondage and this person does bondage and i'm like okay but like 
I can do yeah. my arms tied over my head for five minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So how much bun are we talking yeah. about? Yeah. <laughs> Everything changed when, during that golden age, before MasterCard was paying attention, yeah. um, a couple of companies that I'm going to try not to badmouth or mention by name, but one of them might rhyme with stink, started <laughs> using uh, mainstream talent. And I don't think there's anything right. wrong with that, but mainstream yeah. porn at that time had not been trained in the ways of BDSM. And we have a different culture and we have a different language. We have a different idea yeah. what consent means and what discomfort implies. Mm -hmm. So a lot of girls that didn't know any better because they just hadn't done that kind of stuff before. Like in mainstream, my classic example, as I was learning this, watching it happen in real time, in mainstream, if the thing up your butt is really big or whatever your question will be how much longer are we going to do this because then you could brace yourself for how long that is yeah but in bondage you're supposed to know that the moment somebody is discomfort un uncomfortable you let them down because it's too easy to do permanent damage immediately uh and the average director when you ask how much longer they'll say five minutes and that's never true right so the directors had to learn that these were mainstream girls and if they say how much longer you have to say why yeah yeah why what's if you wrong? ask them why and they're like oh because i'm hungry that's fine well then it's going to be 15 minutes right but if it's like i can't feel one of my fingers it's yeah. like well then the scene's over and we'll take you down right now yeah a lot of miscommunications and a lot of damage happened during that quote unquote golden age in the late 90s early 2000s yeah. and now everything's a lot better uh, most mm -hmm. things are a lot better yeah that was a learning period for sure definitely and you know i, I mean it's just unfortunately like stuff like that still happens like i i heard a story recently and you know i kind of know everyone involved and they're all great people and no one was trying to hurt anyone else but it's like the way that it happened it you know after the fact someone can look back and be like i was traumatized by that experience whereas like mm -hmm. the way that you're going to look and talk in the moment is going to be different if you mm -hmm. are in survival mode but no one else can kind of see that that's exactly what's going on and so it's it's hard and and you do have to and that's the thing i think too i think ultimately if you're hiring someone to be a top or a dom you need to you as a casting director whatever you need to look at what they've done in the past if they've never done that before they need a training session before they dom for you you know, the very first time that I went up, you're to, absolutely right. The very first time that I went up to kink, they, they gave me like a little mini training session. They had one of their like resident doms take me mm -hmm. into the other room. And she, you know, the scene that had got me hired, she watched that scene and she was like, this is all great, but like, here's what you need to do differently. Here's the things you need to like, try not to say this and um, make sure you're looking at that, that, that you know, mm -hmm. when, when you're with who you're working with. And so to me, like that makes perfect sense. <clears throat> and then, you know, then, you know what I mean? You have that exchange of like information, then you know what's going on. But like, I think it should be more like if you're hiring someone for the first time and they have, they don't have experience with this, they have to go through like a full day training minimum. Yeah. It's, it's easy to say that an inexperienced bottom or submissive uh, can cause problems on set, but I, I think by a factor of 10, an inexperienced top or dominant can cause way worse problems on set. And oh, people, yeah. again, mainstream, they were just used to those two bodies look good next to each other. Go hire them to fuck. Exactly. And that's probably fine. For, I don't mean to judge. I don't right. think that's wrong. It just doesn't work for BDSM because it's just dangerous. Yes. It's like hiring actors that have to do stunts and not asking them if they know how to do that stunt. 
right. not getting a stunt person to do it. Yeah, just throwing We're, that on in front of the camera and be like, hey, do the stunt now. It's like, yeah, go ahead and punch this plate glass. And like, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. got to know how to do that shit. Things can go horribly wrong. Yeah. And that's I that's one of the reasons I chose professional villain as my moniker because I do think it's really important to hire professionals. Yeah. With experience. Yeah, I think so too. And that that is something that when it comes to BDSM could be addressed in this industry, mm -hmm. especially when you have the money that some of these studios have, you know. It's different. I understand the budgets are tight. Even big yeah. budget companies can go under very quickly if something goes wrong or they dump too much into the wrong thing, but it goes way worse if you don't spend the money to make sure it goes right. That's what it is. That's the bottom line. Like spend I have a buddy I have a buddy in the real world who is a stunt guy by trade and a very well like you've seen the back of his ear in a lot of movies that you didn't know that was him. <laughs> uh, and he always says when I'm approaching a director, I say, I you are paying me to save you money. Yeah. You're paying for my expertise to make sure nothing goes wrong on your set because it's going to cost you a lot more if something does. They're like living insurance and really yeah. any BDSM top should have that mindset. I mean, yeah, I'm going to try my best to make it look good. And I may not look like some of the talent out there. I'm certainly not going to ever do enough sit-ups for that. <laughs> uh, but I will keep your talent safe. And yeah. I'll make it look as good as I can. But much more importantly, I'll keep your talent safe. Yeah. It matter. And that is the most important thing, no matter who's mm -hmm. making whatever they're making. I like to think that the other reason that I'm at all a good person in this industry, if I can be so bold as to say I am, <laughs> is because for the first six years, all I did was rig for my primary girlfriend and anybody else she happened to be working with. But I was basically like, I was Ricky to her, Lucy. Aww. I was just, I was tying her up and, and working for her. Yeah. And when you're doing that for the person you love, your goal is not to sleep on the couch at the end of the night. Like all yeah. that mattered to me was make sure she had a good day. She was my only concern. And even when she retired and I continued to work, the ethic was already there. So now like every time I walk into a room, whether I know that performer or meeting them for the first time, I'm like, your safety and comfort are my primary concern. Yeah. I will send you home with full pay for having done no work before I'll risk you having a bad day on my set. Yeah. Uh, and all that matters to me is at the end of the day, would you be willing to work with me again? Yeah. And it works because they yeah, are. Exactly. I mean, in the long term, that's great. It is. It is. Well, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people's yes. I got a lot for a long time there. There was A-list talent that wouldn't be domed by anyone but me. Oh. Rest that. in peace. Jessica James was very public about saying, you get Tim Woodman or you don't tie me up. Wow. Uh, Brooke Haven said the same thing more than one occasion. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of these names are now kind of past tense, but it, it meant a lot to me that like, I trust him to do that. And I'm not the only person that's good at it. Right. Obviously. But, but more importantly, this is someone you feel safe with. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you definitely give off that vibe, which is. Well, thank you. Which is so nice because and <laughs> ironic because I'm trying to be creepy, but I know. only when the camera's running. <laughs> That's why you have to be even more nice. Aside from seeing Cat People, which mm. has been on the list for a while, I know I need to watch it. What what was the what was your first experience of seeing pornography or <sighs> any form of like sexual entertainment that was explicit? Like when when was that for you? 
I recognize this may be a hot topic and you're welcome to edit out of your interview later, but I don't think there's a lot of humans alive that waited till they were 18 to see adult content. And I certainly didn't. I'm generation X. They had penthouse in Seven Eleven back then. I remember. I remember when suddenly they didn't anymore. I remember. Uh, I saw a lot of magazines that either a friend's dad had and he had access to it or we found somewhere or whatever. There's always one kid that had like a trunk full of porn magazines. So I don't even remember. It's easily eight. Eight or earlier. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I talk about that a lot on uh, – which this is one of the questions I always ask on the show, so. <laughs> I think it's a fair and important question because yeah. there have to be laws to protect people who are too vulnerable in a power dynamic situation. Mm-hmm. At the same time, those laws are inherently flawed because humans develop at their own pace. Mm-hmm. And an event, even a traumatic event, is not necessarily a life-crippling event. Yeah, of course. I've been in car accidents that scarred me badly physically and emotionally. Yeah. Uh, I still drive. I still like driving. Yeah. Like you can have a bad experience and learn from it or it can cripple you. But yeah. people treat sexuality like if a kid sees a nipple, they're instantly destroyed or going to hell or whatever. I'm like, I don't, they play video games where they blow people's heads clean off yeah. with giant assault rifles. And like, yeah. I don't see where porn is worse than that. Or like it happens every day in real life on the news. Um, (laughs) So for some reason, that's all totally fine. But if there's a nipple, whoa, whoa, Nelly, like, (laughs) let's all lose our shit. Um, But yeah, like, so for for me, and a lot of people that I know, it was, you know, like the box. So I grew up in the desert. So it's the box that you find out in the desert, the box of porn. Uh, for some people it was, you know, the box of porn in the woods. I just, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. you know, again, it's like one of those things that that's a time in life that I don't think we're going to see again because it's all on our fucking phones. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's no community stash anymore. Yeah. Where's the community on the stash? Plus side, those boxes were very, uh, hegemonic and heteronormative. Of course. Very much. There was only yes. playboy looking chicks and it was mm-hmm. only a couple of positions and yeah. there was not representation. And, and now you can look on your phone or whatever other device and the illusion's been broken. Like we yeah. grew up thinking that was the only standard for attractive. Right. And now there's fucking more pages than you could ever look at of wrinkly granddad and yeah. overweight this and underweight that and every ethnicity and combination and everything's on and, and somebody finds it attractive. And so we've shattered the culture that there's only one norm of attraction. Yes. Uh, and that- I really love. I love it. I love it so much. And I do, I, I think that it is a big shift in general, for sure. But um, people, I think, still have to catch up and notice that, you know, that, like who's making these big bucks on OnlyFans and stuff. I mean, it's such a variety of shape, color, size, age, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I'm 39. I'm going to be 40 this year. And like, there was a time when I, you know, when I was like 28 and people are like, so how much longer are you going to yeah. be doing this for? <laughs> yeah. Know? Quit any minute. Yeah. Like you're, you're about to cross over that hill, babe. Like <laughs> no one's going to want to look at you. And you know, there are women in their sixties and seventies still making it happen. Like people want to see, people want to see what they want to see. There's an audience for everyone. And you know, so I think like with all things in life, there's there's going to be positive outcomes and negative outcomes and stuff like that. But I think one of the really beautiful things that the, the widespread access to porn has shown us and, and to being able to make it ourselves with our phones mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that 
that greater understanding that there is no like idealized concept of what perfect perfection or beauty is. It's just that Hollywood and the media like shoves it down our throats. Like this is what you have to look like. And you have to have giant boobs and a tiny waist and a huge ass. Like <laughs> and the, just- the, the makeup industry for sure. And the fashion industry only make money as long as people are dissatisfied with their looks. So they yeah. are invested in us not liking ourselves. Yes. But the internet is just flipping them right back off and saying, no, somebody likes me right like this. Yeah, exactly. And it's, ugh, it's such a celebration. <laughs> it's such a thing to celebrate. So <laughs> it certainly changed my perspective. Like the more I'm exposed to, the more I realize I like. Yeah. I would have grown up thinking that was only – uh, you know, beach blondes with big boobs and there's nothing wrong with that. Love those, totally. but there's so much more. There's so much more and else. Yeah. Such a variety. Well, I went on to a, a vacation back when I could afford those and we went to Alaska <laughs> and the brothel history in Alaska is really something. It was the last state to outlaw uh, sex work. Uh, Nevada never did, but uh, yeah. Alaska was the last state that had that band and it wasn't until the 1950s wow and there was a very famous madam who through prohibition and into her 80s was the richest woman in alaska was a madam but also had customers up until the day she died because they'd grown up with her they'd grown old with her and they still wanted her yes and so that flies in the face of the whole hmm you're almost 30 you're probably done now right another 50 years (laughs) yes and I, that's my plan. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I went to Alaska as well. And first of all, it's an incredible place, right? Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it's just mind so boggling. Um, but I wasn't aware of that part of its history. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my, my dream is to definitely go back. So I'm going to like make a better, uh, plan knowing that was it in Anchorage? Top of my head, I don't remember which city it was where there's like a tourist thing where yeah. you tour two or three brothels that are now museums <sighs> and learn about these. Oh my god, it was so great! It might yes. have been Ketchikan. Okay, I don't. I'm. I, I'm sure you could look it up. Yeah, I will. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was I awesome. Love that. Uh, do you have any projects that you're working on right now? Uh, I'm close. I'm. It's it's weird because we just said all that empowering stuff, and in the same breath, I'm going to admit that I recognize that my career is coming close to its final chapter, and I'm more comfortable with that than I ever have been. Uh, I don't. Not tomorrow. Not tomorrow. But I don't see this okay. another five years for me. Uh, really? I don't want to. You know, be Ron Jeremy, and there's going to be a point <laughs> when I don't want to have to edit footage of myself naked in my late fifties, early sixties. I don't want to see that. Okay. And I edit my own stuff. So I'm going to try and exit gracefully at the right moment, but okay. that's not yet. Um, yeah. And at the moment I still do have a couple of loyal custom videos. I have this one guy, bless him. He's the greatest customer. He'll find a girl that he's interested in and we'll do a sample project. Like my custom video rates are posted on my site. So I'm not going to go into the dollar figures here. Mm. Although you can go look and see it. I, I posted also people don't think I'm taking advantage. Yeah. I'm like here's what the camera costs. Here's what the location costs. Here's what the model costs. So yeah, exactly. That's what it costs. Yeah. Um, and he'll do a deal where he'll pay for basically everything but my rate. Yeah. Uh, and I'll do a full length custom shoot where, and I can usually get up to sixty minutes of footage in a day. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, and he wants a quarter of that. He's like, if you'll do a fifteen minute mini custom for me, you can have the other forty five minutes to do whatever else you want with this girl, uh-huh. and then I can decide if I want to buy a full length one for her. Oh, that's nice. I'm like, well, that's a good deal. Yeah, so I that's a good deal. Nudge girls his way. I'm like, dude, what do you think of this girl? 
And uh, that works out for me pretty well. I've found some great content that way. Yeah, jealous. <laughs> but in the meantime, I'm just waiting because I don't have a budget of my own. I could yeah. make porn or pay my mortgage. I can't do both. Yeah, I understand Porn that. makes me enough to pay my bills, but not twice that. Yeah. So what about doing like transitioning to yourself not being on camera anymore, but still producing content and monetizing it? <laughs> I hate every aspect of this job except performing. I do all the rest okay. of it grudgingly while grinding my teeth. I don't like yeah. directing. I don't like producing. I don't like marketing. I know. I do all of it because nobody will, you know, I, I'm, I can't pay someone to do that. Yeah. It's, but I don't like it. So when I stop performing, I'm just going to gratefully hang up my spurs, whips, something. Well, you could still do workshops and stuff absolutely and i'm gonna admit that i do things in person for money that skirts the line of what we could talk about and where i might get quoted <laughs> uh, it's just being recorded that i'm not sure i want to do um and 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 honestly this is going to sound like the brag that it is but my personal sex life is way kinkier way more exciting way more gratifying than my online sex life so it's not like i'm gonna stop doing this i'm just gonna stop recording it for sure, for sure. <laughs> and it's true, you know, I mean, I love... And I don't have to then work with people I've never met before. I can just play with people I exactly. know and like. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it is fun. Like, work is fun. I, you know, I feel like I chose a job that's a great time. But it mm -hmm. is still work, and it is still a job. And so there is still this difference when you're doing something with a camera and when you're doing something without a camera. And I don't even care if it's, like, my phone. And it's just mm -hmm. my phone. It's like, I know my phone is recording me versus it's performative. The moment you do that, it's exactly. performative. And, it's just and I do, I agree with you. I love it. Yeah. I, over the years, the thing that I love the most, and this is going to sound weird, but I think weird's in the rearview mirror by now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I love that through my custom videos and just my regular customers. I've reached out across the globe to a variety of humans that I've never seen, will never see, don't know what they look like, and probably wouldn't be attracted to them if I did, and I got them off. Yeah. I reached right into their pants, and I got them off. And that connection is so empowering and gratifying that my art turned someone on and got them off. I fucking love Hell, it. Hell, yeah. That's such a good feeling oh God, to it. think of all the it orgasms is. you've inspired. Like... <laughs> And I have to say, you you mentioned this earlier about uh, people having the fantasy and then the reality and still having the fantasy. Yeah. I have received the most beautiful fan mail. It's happened to me, I think, three times, and it's been 26 years or whatever. So, But at least three times I can remember, someone wrote to me and said, you helped me regain my sexuality after my trauma. Like, your yes. porn allowed me to reconnect with my fantasy that I'd had that had been damaged when I was assaulted or whatever. Right. Or, or one girl just said, I'm... I always had these fantasies and uh, I was always ashamed of them. And then I saw your porn and it made me feel okay about myself. I'm like, I like you choke up. You're like, yeah. your welcome sounds awful fucking shallow at that point. I don't know what to say yeah. <laughs> to that, I, but I didn't see, I didn't know. I didn't realize that that you could have that kind of effect on someone from what we do. Exactly. That's, oh, and that's almost spiritual healing. Exactly. And, th and that's what I wish I, w I wish more people could know about. It's like, it's really yeah. easy to look at what we do. I mean, like, oh, you're just fucking like, how can that be meaningful to anyone? And I'm like, if I could read you some of the emails that I've gotten from people, like, it's so meaningful to lots of people. And they've just been conditioned to think that it's 
shameful for it to be meaningful for them or that they shouldn't even be having these kinds of feelings or whatever. And then to just be able to see another person expressing that, I mean, it's a game changer for so many people. Yeah. And willingly, cheerfully, like I, a yeah. lot of my customers that hire me to do the darkest stuff write to me and like, I don't know why I like these things. I certainly never want to actually hurt anyone. And it means the world to me that I can see in the outtakes or whatever yeah. that you and your partner are having a great time on set because I don't want her to be traumatized by this, but you're fulfilling this fantasy for me that I don't know how to do it otherwise. And I'm like, yes. Wow. I know. That's, that's, that's pretty darn cool. I know. It's such a good feeling. Yeah. I usually just say, I'm just like, oh my God, this means so much to me. <laughs> just to go back again to yours, like the way you said, you don't like anything except the performing aspect. Like when you said that, <laughs> I felt that. <laughs> I gotta admit it. I mean, I'm good at editing and I don't mind it, but I wouldn't do it if I hadn't, if I hadn't just performed that. It's true. It's, and it's like, when I started my career, it was a totally different world. I was, I was like, um, just pay me a paycheck and I'll come and do the job. And, and that was nice. It was so free. Um, and then the, the way that the industry has shifted since, you know, like 2011 ish Pornhub times, it's like, well, you could still do that, but you're going to make a fraction of what you need to be making to like, you know, move life forward, I guess. And there are too many performers now. There's just, you, you, yes, you're competing exactly. with too many people that are willing to do porn because they didn't yeah. used to be. There were just a handful of us. Yeah. And it, and it's the same thing like at strip clubs. It's like, it's just mm. in, in cam rooms. Like I talked to mm -hmm. uh, people who cam full time and it was always so great. And then the past few years, it's gotten worse and worse because it's just more and more people on the cam side. So it's spread a lot mm -hmm. more thin certainly over COVID that that happened. It's just like, here's how we can interact. And it became super popular, but then everybody was doing it. Yeah. Or like, well, I can't work, but I have two kids and a phone and I need yep. to feed my family. So maybe I just start showing my titties on OnlyFans and now I'm a sex worker. <laughs> I really hope they look at it the way that I continue to look at it. I mentioned at the beginning of the interview, I'm never going to get rich doing this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not my intention to get rich doing this, but I do make money. Yeah. Enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why I hope that it's, I hope that that little taste of it, whether or not people who entered that way are still doing it. Mm -hmm. I hope that it gave them this taste of like understanding that it's not, as crazy as I think a lot of people think it is like, it's, it's like, Oh, this is just a, another way of doing labor and getting paid for it. Um, mm -hmm. so that's always the message we're trying to share. <laughs> I will say, I mentioned, I do a lot of, I also do a lot of panel presentations and I'm going to do one plug on your show here for the nonprofit that I volunteer for called the center for positive sexuality. Yes. Positive, positive uh, they do great work, and I've been a volunteer since before they even incorporated as a nonprofit. Uh, and where we started and what we mostly continue to do, our main goal is we present uh, panels of subject matter experts for college classes, whether it's psych majors or social majors or going into law enforcement or whatever, and we put a human face on BDSM and sex work and non-monogamy and the gender spectrum and sex and aging. And like, we have a whole bunch of presentations we do. Yes. And what's great is our flagship, the first one was BDSM and 
25 years ago, every class we went into, all they wanted to know was who hurt us when we were a kid and how could they cure us when they're a therapist. Mm. It was like really frustrating to over and over again say, no, not necessarily, and we're not broken. Yeah. But now, today, we do these panels this school year, and all of the questions are, where can I get more information? How can I safely move forward? Not, there's no judgment. Like yeah. the current generation of students, it doesn't even occur to them that you have to be damaged in order to like kinky sex. Oh, God. So society's making some progress. It's true. It's so true. And I talk about this a lot, like, like size making major progress. And that's why they're pushing back so hard against that progress. Like the the horrifying legislative, especially the anti-trans legislation that keeps coming up state by state is a pushback and it will fail, but there will be casualties in the meantime. And that's tragic. That's exactly. But it wouldn't be happening at all if there wasn't such an open, like those people didn't know what trans was until 10 years ago. So of course they didn't attack it. Right. And now it's so much more mainstream and, and it's horrifying that they're pushing back that way, but it's so encouraging that it's so mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I'll say it again. I just, I put, I've got a lot of faith and hope in Gen Z and. Oh my God. If they can, Kids today. It's yeah, funny. Kids now we're today. getting older and older. I thought we'd be like, damn kids get off my lawn. I'm like, you kids today are the only reason the planet might survive. Yeah, seriously. Let's lower the voting age and take off all the restrictions and, For real. <laughs> and force transparency and government and law enforcement. These kids want to work. Yeah. And they will do it. And I'm so yeah. in awe. I'm just like, moment. and vote. And it seems like they want to vote too. So I'm like, yeah, don't get it. Get out there and Can't vote. tell me they're less informed than most Americans that just vote based on if there's an R or a D next to the word. Right. Yeah. These kids want and let them have it. Yeah. It's it's heartening, I will say. Mm. It's very heartening. I wonder I wonder sometimes whether people like you and me who've been doing this job for an amount of time uh, <laughs> and also like teachers and professors, we are forced to continually face the newest batch of 18-year-olds. Yeah. Which on the one hand is a little creepy and weird. On the other hand, it keeps us relevant and keeps us aware of their pulse. Yeah. So we don't ever go, kids today don't know what they're talking about because we've heard them. They do know what they're we talking do. about. They do, Yeah. I mean, they grew kids today grew up with the fucking internet in their hand, like yep. we didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think having that immense access to actual information that has changed the game. For even with the frightening signal to noise, because that was our problem. As we saw the internet happen, we're like, it's all going to be fake news. It's all going to be doctored photos or whatever. Yeah. But kids today have grown up with those. And they're like, I don't believe the first thing I see. Exactly. <laughs> I know you're lying. Uh-huh. So they're not going to fall for that shit. Yeah, exactly. That's what we didn't count on is that they would adapt and be like, well, you don't clickbait's clickbait. You don't click on that. They know. <laughs> it's very obviously clickbait. <laughs> yes. Bless them. I think that's amazing. Yeah, it's really a beautiful thing. And so hope, so I'm hoping that, yeah, it's the same thing when it comes to even just being kinky and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that, again, that all also carries with it some stigma, like you said, uh, who hurt you and stuff like that. But it's, mm-hmm. it's never been about that. It's just always been. And I, I think that sometimes it's just a mystery. I think sometimes there is like a clear moment that you can look back at and be like, oh, that was the thing that made me mm-hmm. into spankings or whatever. But I think sometimes mm-hmm. it's just kind of like it comes out of a person and, you know, you can't you can't choose your kinks. They just they choose you. And 
I think if you're if you're an open minded creative person, that's going to translate into your sex life too. If you're if yeah. you only ever eat meat and potatoes, you're only ever going to fuck missionary. Yeah. But if you try Thai food, if you try, you know, this kind of cuisine or some Mexican food or something beyond just Taco Bell, like <laughs> the more things you expose yourselves to, that's the way you're going to treat sex. Yeah. With curiosity and With curiosity yeah. and open mind. And that's how I and I think. It's like food. We tell kids, uh, and we were told, try it once. If you don't like it, you have a bad taste That's in your mouth it. for 20 minutes. That's it. Yeah. And like, I don't think, I think this new generation is like, it, it, it's not so defining. It's like, suck a dick one time. If you decide you don't like it, that didn't make you gay. Right. Take something yeah. up your butt one time. You don't like it, don't do it again. Exactly. But ask yourself in another five years because your answer might change. And like, yep. that is second nature to BDSM. We're like, anytime we self-identify, we always add at this time to the end of the sentence. Yeah. Because how many times has it changed? A lot of people that used to love fucking SpaghettiOs don't eat SpaghettiOs anymore. Very much. And a lot of people who as kids were like, he puts his tongue in your mouth. Ew. Now probably kind of like that. Yeah. Your answers change and that's healthy and right. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I love that. And I was just, I was going to make that food analogy exactly the same. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't hurt you to try it, especially when you know you can spit it out at any time or you can just call mm -hmm. and be like, okay, I tried it. Not for me, you know? Yeah. But how will you know if you never give it a shot? And if you're curious and you have someone you can trust, like give it a shot. Talk, talk to them about it and say, let's try it. If we don't like it. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, 20, you know, a few minutes of bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> By the same token, of course, especially if it's something kinky, if it involves a level of danger, go learn how to do it. Oh, there are people yeah. who are happy to teach. We're all happy to teach. Like mo everywhere, everywhere in this country and everywhere around the world, you're never more than a couple of minutes away from a BDSM enthusiast group. Yeah. They're absolutely. like model train clubs. They're just everyone. In fact, model train clubs are not everywhere, but BDSM <laughs> clubs are. are. And you just walk right in and they're going to be like, welcome. Here's where the snacks are. Here's the rules for this club. Let us show you how to do stuff. Yeah. And you can learn. And it's, ah. Uh. And aside from the positive center, the positive center for sexuality. Mm -hmm. Did I say that right? Okay. Um, no, but you got all the right words. Okay. <laughs> the center for positive sexuality. That's the one. Bingo. Um, do you know of any other like online spaces where someone who did want to learn what maybe what kind of kinks they're into or about how to do certain bondage things safely or even certain just rope techniques and stuff. Um, do you, do you know anywhere online that would be helpful for people to start at? I feel like uh, with the same caveat that there is no online platform that doesn't have humans in it and therefore they're all flawed. Like you could tell somebody, oh, I love Facebook, but a lot of other, you, you also understand why people hate it. Yeah, because I'm like, no. But you can love Twitter and understand why you hate it. By the same yeah. token, even though it is definitely problematic, I still like FetLife for that. Yeah. You know, I think FetLife has been around for so long now that I think you can get a lot of good stuff there. There are bad users and there's yeah. parts of the platform and its policies that I don't agree with. But yeah. for just a starting point to find clubs near you and other groups near you and like-minded individuals across the internet, yeah. you could start there. Yeah. 
I agree with that. That's a that's a great starting point, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been freaking awesome. Thank you so <laughs> much for talking with me about all this fun stuff. And would you be willing to answer a couple questions with me? Of course. All right. So first up, all right, this is a this is kind of a classic question. <laughs> Um, all right. Knowing that everyone is different, can you give tips for how to give the best blowjob and or cunnilingus? Mm. Knowing that everyone is different and one person likes a sensation that someone else does not. I think the best tip you can give is regardless of the genitals in front of you and whether they visually match with the genitals inside your pants, they have the same nerve endings. Yes. Like whether it's, I like to say indoor or outdoor plumbing, because that's very non-gender specific, but it's tool specific. Indoor and outdoor plumbing are shaped the same. Like labia and scrotums, same matter, same cells, same nerve ending. If you like being touched in a way, even if it doesn't look like that same thing, start there. Yeah. That's a great thing. Treat treat their stuff like it's your stuff and and then listen. Obviously listen. But Yeah. yeah. Yeah, listen and um, treat your treat their stuff like it's your stuff. That is such a good tip. Like I'm gonna write mm-hmm. that, I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> Even if it's not shaped the same way, you might be say an innie or an Audi, so to speak. Exactly. Uh, but they they react the same way to stimulus. They do. They really do. And the the other thing that I that I tell people is like just. Like hopefully when you find your face down there, you're looking at whatever you're looking at with like just pure joy and reverence. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, ah, I want to make this feel as good as I can. And so tease and take your time and then ask, like, it's hot. You know, people are so shy to say like, oh, go do that, but go to the right a little more or, you know, something like that. But it's mm-hmm. really hot. <laughs> like to yes, be receiving told. that feedback. Yeah. So if you can if you can overcome the shyness and give the feedback you wish you were getting. That's it. Exactly. If there's any <laughs> way to overcome that shyness and just like say it, say how it it's feels practice. or tell them how to do it, like. Okay, so my other tip, and this is more generalized than that, but it's definitely on topic. If you are at all uncomfortable or shy about asking a question or answering a question, do it nowhere near the bedroom while everybody's not naked. Over coffee. Some someplace else entirely. Go, do you like this experience? Or do you know whether I like this experience? Let me tell you. Yes. Where someone has the safety to back up if they need a minute. Mm Mm-hmm or an hour or a day to <laughs> yeah. change the subject, they can, and it's not vulnerable and threatening because you're not naked right then. Exactly, yeah, it changes the whole situation when you have that space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I agree. And the last thing I would say is, I kind of think regardless of the genitals, avoid sucking too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a relatively fair, and there will be exceptions, but I think, again, treat it like it's yours. You know how hard yeah. you don't want it to be sucked. Exactly. Yes. And sucking mm-hmm. is great, regardless of the genitals, but there is a too sure. hard line. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect. I love that. That was great answers. Mm-hmm. And all right, here's the next one. 
how do I approach talking to my partner about what I want in the bedroom? Another Oh, I should classic. have saved my answer. Another classic. <laughs> it's, it's just what we said a minute ago. You do it over coffee, nowhere near the bedroom. Yeah. You do it in as non-confrontational way as you can, and you prepare yourself for the fact that most people react at least defensively, if not negatively, when they hear something new. Yeah. But that won't be their final word on the subject. Right. If you say, hmm, saw this in a thing, thought it was interesting, and they were like, ew, then just drop it. Yeah. A week later at most, they're going to be like, tell me more about that thing. I guarantee. Absolutely. Every time. And they might yes. still end up saying no, but they will bring it up again. Yeah, true. All you have to do is not be upset if they don't react the way you want them to at first and try to do it while nobody's vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like a really great place to start a conversation is like on a long drive. Like if you're driving somewhere and it takes an hour, maybe like you're looking out the window, do, do, do. So have you ever thought about blah, 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 you know, <laughs> like almost this casual way of bringing it up? Um, I remember watching the, the movie about Kinsey. Oh, I love that movie. Kinsey. And I remember his advice when giving the questionnaire is you never ask someone if they've done something. You just ask when was the first time they did. <laughs> Because that's as non-judgmental as you could possibly get. And then they yeah. could say never, but then they know it's okay that they did. Yes. I love mm -hmm. it. When someone has touched your bunghole, how did you like it? Yes. How did that make And they're like, oh, nobody's ever done that. Like, hmm, really? Never. And then it's almost like a reverse shaming. It's like, you should try that. <laughs> it's a lot better than, have you ever had somebody touch you there? Because then that could be a loaded question. Yeah. And they might much. not want to answer. So yeah, approach with non-judgmental Baby steps are great. Yeah, baby steps are amazing. Um, start, Yeah, you can start by like asking little questions. What do you think about this? Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? Hmm. And there's nothing we do in porn that they don't hint at in mainstream movies. Totally. Right? There's yeah. all, all of the kinky things, all, all of the dark th things that I shoot, they're all in mainstream movies, just less graphically. So you could always, not even necessarily put one on, but mention one. Yeah. Oh my God, that scene in Game of Thrones, that was clearly non-consensual, but it was kind of hot, wasn't it? That's a door opener. Yeah, absolutely. Or man, even as a kid, when they, when Ricky used to spank Lucy, didn't that do something? <laughs> like You can use those to get you started. Absolutely. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I should just, uh, you've got great advice. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> it's been a lot of years. Yeah, A lot of years absolutely. of weirdness. <laughs> oh, lots of years of weirdness. We are the weirdos, mister. <laughs> Love it. Wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't have it any other way. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, that's, thank you so much for the amazing advice. I uh, hope people take it and run with it. And thank you so much for being a guest today on my podcast. First cis male guest. Congratulations. I'm deeply honored. <laughs> deeply honored. And you know, I think the world of you, like when we lived relatively near each other, any chance I got to take you out for a drink or a pizza or whatever, you were always my first call. Oh, thank so, you. It was great. I love the times that we did. It meant a lot. <laughs> and the, they're not over. I'll be back. Don't worry. <laughs> sure. And may, who knows where one of us might be next. But exactly. Just know, I think the world of you. I think you're really great. Oh, thank you so much. I think you're awesome <laughs> too. We, lo we love you over here as well. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, we can end it there. And would you please tell everyone where they can find you and, um, buy things from you and whatnot? 
Yeah, my porn name is Tim Woodman, but that is useless. Look up pro villain and then make sure you spell it right because everybody goes I A N, which is not a word. <laughs> pro villain. <laughs> Twitter.com pro villain. Uh, I'm not on the Facebook because their software is too invasive and I don't need my family seeing that shit. Yeah, they're off. Uh, but I'm on FetLife if you want a FetLife pro villain and. Uh, uh, on the Twitter and my website is provillain.com and you can I don't sell stuff through there but I direct you to where you could buy it and you can email me absolutely so that's how you, that's easy just provillain.com or go to the Center for Positive Sexuality and learn my real first name <laughs> <laughs> well we definitely want to support any uh, sites like that as well in any way that we can get the mm. education and the good word out there we're just yay kinky adults trying to have a good time <laughs> that's all we're doing Loving life. <laughs> well thank you so very much again and thank you everyone for listening you know you can find all my stuff at sin-sage.com and if you have a question that you would like to have a couple of professionals answer for you, please send your question to sinsagepodcast at gmail.com. That is sin with two N's. And we would love to answer your question on the podcast next time. And with all of that being said... Have a wonderful rest of your day and get out there and live authentically. Bye.